we're, I'm just really excited. I, I'm kind of getting to know the culture here a little bit. I noticed most of the seats that are empty are in the front row, and it's like the splash zone. So I get it, I get it, I understand. Hey, uh, I'm going to need a little bit of engagement, a, a little bit more engagement with you, and, and here's why. It's really hard to see faces, and I feel like, and I'm not telling you to take your mask off, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but it's hard to, to uh, connect with people because we don't see faces. So if you would be willing to say amen or hallelujah, uh, just on things that you agree with or uh, that line up with scripture, that would be really helpful. And I know that there are some of you who are, um, you know, looking for opportunities to give me a hard time, and I appreciate that. Uh, and so you might say an amen or a hallelujah at an inappropriate time for me. And um, I just want you to know, I have the microphone. So just heads up on that, all right? We're on the same page? Hello, let's do it one more time. We're on the same page? Yeah. 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 And there we go. There we go. I knew Randy wouldn't fail me. Uh, here's, here's the thing. I have been so encouraged with Pastor Matt. Uh, you have a great guy here, sincerely and honestly. You have a great guy, and I think we can give the Lord a praise off. I'm going to ask him to not tell him I said that, though, because I don't want it to go to his head. All right, so uh, he, he has been so encouraging, and one of the ways that he's been encouraging to me has been with this specific series. He called me just before I came and said, hey, here's, here's what I'm thinking, and here's the, here's the memory verse, and I'd really like to do the, the memory verse. And so uh, he's the one who, who uh, really promoted Proverbs 18.1, at least to me. Maybe someone told him about it, but that's how I, how I knew about it. And I thought it would, it would just be really cool uh, for him next week when he comes for us as a church to just be able to say, hey, Matt, I want to tell you the, the memory verse. Here it is, Proverbs 18, 21. You can just tell him from the overflow of your heart, and then he can just drink that in for a moment, and then you can say, and now about the money you owe me. And you know, just kind of do that just to mess with him a little bit. And I, I love Matt like a brother. Uh, which is unfortunate for him because I was really mean to my brother. But um, <laughs> different story. One of the things that we can do is encourage him. And this might be a way of doing it. So I'd like you to read this passage with me. It's Proverbs 18, 21. I'll start. You just join in. We're going to read through it twice. Uh, here's, here it begins. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 21. Good job. Let's see if we can get a little more gusto. It is the word of God. It's not boring. It's living and active. Let's, let's speak like it is. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 21. Well done. Give praise offering. I appreciate it. That was good. Now next week when you see Matt, don't forget, okay? Okay? Okay. Okay, you modified it. Good job. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up. Lord, we ask that just in a very real way you would speak to us and through us, that you would use your word to transform us, that this, this moment in time would be a moment where we, we can go back.
back in the days to come and say, look and see what God has done. And Father, in the midst of a culture that is speaking death, we ask, oh Lord, that you would help us to speak life, because you've given us life. And that life is the light of men, and that light is Jesus himself. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us this ability to speak life into those around us, that it would start within us and flow to those around us, that this community, that these families would never be the same because of what you have done. We love you and we trust you for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, um, the question that I have for us today is this. Are you discouraged? And I don't mean just right now in this moment. I mean during this season. And it's been a long season with COVID and uh, the changes that have come. I, I think systematically and all around us, we have seen the effects of COVID. I mean, even just wearing masks to some degree can affect our attitudes and actions. And so because that's true, a lot of people are feeling discouraged. And maybe that discouragement has been born out of some other things. So it, it could be fear, you know, fear of like, is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to get back to a new normal? Are we ever going to get back to a place where we're comfortable with the, the, the future and the days to come? Or maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's a lost job. Maybe you're just tired. This stuff wears on us emotionally. Are you discouraged? Maybe it's health. Or maybe it's feeling rejected. Or maybe it's spending too much time with people. And you just need a break. Maybe it's all of the disorder. Or maybe the loss of confidence. Do you feel discouraged? Has it affected you? Just because it's affected you doesn't mean it has to infect you. And that's what we're going to talk about as we jump into the Word here in just a moment. I was reminded recently of David. King David, there was this time where he was really discouraged. His soul was discouraged and he didn't know what to do. So he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's how the scripture says it. Encouraged himself in the Lord. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And, um, you know, if other people aren't speaking into it. And so I've been, I've, I've been working with uh, my phone, you know, for encouragement. And... I know it's kind of funny, but I've been working with her. I call her her. And um, <laughs> she's, she's been very helpful, and I have no idea how this is going to go. But I've been working on it. So hang in there with me, okay? Hey, Siri, would you encourage me? Your church is hashtag blessed to have you. <laughs> Siri, thank you so much. I, I was not expecting that at all. Okay, so I don't know what I'm doing on this thing. Joel Farber is the one who set that up for me, and I, I'm like, I have no idea how that even worked. But um, sometimes we do have to encourage ourselves. And I hope that you are able to, um, I don't know, today as we walk through the work together, I hope you're able to feel some courage. And why did I say it that way? Because that's actually what the word means. Encourage means to give courage. And in these days where darkness seems to abound, 
where our voices sound faint, where others are louder and at times maybe even more obnoxious and overwhelming, we need some courage. But this isn't the first time in history that that's been the case. The church has often been in these places of transition where they're feeling overwhelmed and they just need a little bit of courage. And we just need people to encourage. C.S. Lewis, he said it really well. He said it this way. Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you're making their destiny not brighter, but darker. And I would say that's, that's where we live. I, I, uh, I, I love uh, comics. I grew up with, with comics and, and watching them. I, 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 I go to Comic-Con. I've spoken at Comic-Con. I love it. I'm a big nerd. Don't you dare say amen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. No, I, I embrace that. I embrace that about me. But one of the things that I've watched over the years is these superheroes that were, you know, on comic book pages now uh, in the cinemas, they, they've gone from, like, the, the moral standard to worse than people. Like, they have superpowers and they're super messed up. And that's not great. And that's what C.S. Lewis was talking about. We are going to uh, be face-to-face with cruel people in our world. And how are we going to address it? Shouldn't we at least tell stories of heroes? Shouldn't we at least tell stories of brave knights, people who have conquered, people who were those standard bearers, so that our kids can have courage, so that their future doesn't look darker, brighter, we have a lot of those stories we can tell. We have many of those stories. And maybe you have some of those own stories in your life. And I think, at minimum, it starts with this idea that God is with me. God is with me. I love that truth. No matter where I go, God is with me. I can't get outside of his presence. God is with me. Even my darkness is light to him, the scripture reminds us. That we can't get away from him. He is with us. And he knows us. And Probably the, the first time I really remember um, experiencing that was uh, shortly after Cindy and I got married. When Cindy and I were married, we went to inner city Chicago. We worked in inner city Chicago for a while. It was an amazing experience. We worked with about 90% gang kids. So that kind of gives you the makeup. And we were in that community. So if you remember the old song, Bad, Bad, Leroy right Brown, it was that neighborhood that, that we lived in. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it later and you'll figure it out. It was a tough neighborhood that we were in. And so what would happen is at nighttime, we would lock our fences, put chains on things so that they didn't you know, go away at night, and um, lock our doors. I mean, it was like a fortress when uh, at night. Our security system wasn't great, but it was effective because we had two dogs, and they were security. Now, they loved us, and they were, they were good dogs, but they were also very vocal. One of them was a pit bull mix, and uh, his name was Killer. That's what we called him. He'd lick you to death, but no one knew that. Uh, he was a little bit intimidating, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. Well, one night, my boss was there, and my boss 
uh, is five foot two. Okay, he's, he likes to say he's taller. He's not. He's five two, and uh, just an, an intense guy. And he, he kind of sticks his chest out when he walks, and he kind of does like this. And it, it's funny. And um, he was there that night when Killer got out. And I said, his name is Keith. And I said, Keith, I, you know, Killer's gone. Let's go look for him in the morning because what I know about morning, not very many people are out, and it's much safer. Make sense? Well, he said, no, Kenny, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to go look for him while he's probably still close. And I said, I don't want to. And he said, I know, but that's what we're doing. And I said, I'm not going to. And then he hit me in the chest with his finger like that. And he said, where is your faith? If you're going to trust God or you trust people, where is your faith? And he had me. And my wife was right there, so I couldn't, you know, back down. Like, Joe, you're going to do it by yourself. I was newlywed and thought I had to prove something. And, but it was true. Where is my faith? Now, what I didn't tell you is down the alley was the pharmacy. The pharmacy was not really its name. That's what we called it because that's where all the drugs were. Pharmacy. That's an important piece of this because as I started to go with Keith, walking around in inner city Chicago at night, with a lot of gangs around us, I had to make each step. I had to be very purposeful. It started like this. God is with me. God is with me. And eventually, I was taking those steps. Eventually, I knew the truth of that statement and followed God as, we, as I began to walk. And where we began to walk was down by the pharmacy. And that's where my faith was really tested because as I said, the dog's name is Killer. We're by the drug house and I'm calling out for the dog, which sounded like this. Here, Killer. We never found that dog, but what I did find was my faith. In a very real way, my faith grew that day. We were okay, nothing happened to us, but it was a challenge for sure. The children of Israel were faced with the situation where they saw God uh, as a, a, a cloud. They, led, they were led by God, cloud by day, or fire by night. They saw him. Like, that is cool. Then their leader died. That was not cool. What are they going to do? And their new leader later becomes maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest, military hero of all of Israel. His name's Joshua. And Joshua, uh, God is talking to Joshua. Because Joshua's like, oh, now I have to lead these people? I've never been their leader before. I've only seen Moses. Moses was the prophet who brought the children of Israel out, and God used him with a mighty hand. They escaped the slavery in Egypt and went to or toward the promised land. And now, God, you're asking me to lead them in there. And these are God's words to Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Okay, so that's good. But check out verse 9. Again, this is a guy who later becomes a military leader. I gotta think 
that he's pretty brave. I gotta believe that he's kind of strong. I gotta believe that he's willing to do the difficult things. But this is what God has to say to him. Have I not commanded you? Like this isn't pretty please with sugar on top, Joshua. I'm commanding you. Be strong and courageous. Why would he say that? Because Joshua's gonna be tempted to not be. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with you, Joshua. I am not leaving you or forsaking you. So you be strong and courageous. And that's this idea of encouragement. God is with us. He's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. It doesn't mean we're supposed to be arrogant. It doesn't mean we're supposed to be proud. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be flippant. It does mean that he never leaves us or forsakes us. And it does mean that we can lean into him in some very discouraging times. And it's with that attitude and that mindset that we move into the New Testament to encourage one another. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to open it up. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to go. <clears throat> and again, as you're opening up your Bible, I encourage you to bring it um, Underline it, highlight it, write notes off to the side, write notes on your paper, put it in that area. It's always encouraging to go back and see what God was doing, stirring in your heart at another time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, the, the gospel has been moving, and it's moved into Macedonia, which is northern Greece. And in this city, the capital of Macedonia is this city, and the church starts taking root, and this is a great church, you guys. This is a church filled with people who love the Lord, and this is a church of people who have been faithful, and they've tested as people have come in and started to say, hey, we're followers of Jesus, are you really? And they took the words of the apostles very seriously, and they applied them, and now they're starting to get older. Some of them are dying. And they're starting to ask themselves some questions. Some thoughts are occurring to them. And they're thoughts like this. Jesus, you said you were coming back. Where are you? Generations now have grown up in the church and we're starting to die. We were expecting you at the end of the week and you're still not here. Did I miss something? Did somebody fool me? Did I believe a lie? Doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this real? Is it true? Did I miss my call? Did I misunderstand God's word? And Paul lovingly and kindly speaks to them. Chapter 4 is a phenomenal chapter where, where Paul just kind of gets them on, on board and explains to them how Jesus is going to return and what that's going to mean. And in chapter 5, he reminds them and encourages them and empowers them to be courage givers. And this is where we pick it up in verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath. I'm going to say it again because you probably didn't hear me. For God has not destined us for wrath. Yeah. Let me explain what that means. Paul is saying this. That there is a place of utter darkness separated from the presence of God where those who decide to not follow God are eternally going to be. 
We call that place hell, hell. It is the absence of God and the very wrath of God for all who choose to not follow him. That is an eternal place, and it is not a good place. And Paul is telling the believers there in the church, that place is not for you. You think you missed out on something? Hang on. That place is not for you. In fact, for you specifically is to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not just going to experience it in the here and now, but forever and eternally. And that is a good thing for you to know. So take faith and you stay encouraged. And the church needs to know that. And I'm going to tell you, church, nothing has changed. You have not been created destined for wrath. But we are created for salvation for our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, asleep is a, a way that they use to talk about death. So whether we're alive or dead, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, let me explain a couple of things here at the end because it's very important. To build one another up. That phrase that's used in the Greek means to build a house. So what he's saying is this, that encourage one another to build up this house. Some of you have built houses and you know the amount of labor and work that go into it. It is not an easy task. It takes a lot of planning, a lot of orchestrating, and a lot of skill to have the kind of house that is going to stay up when the storms come, when the snow It's going to protect you long term. It's going to take a lot of work. And for those of you who uh, buy houses, we're supposed to close on a house hopefully on Tuesday. Well, one of the things that we were looking at is how's the foundation? Like, is it, is it going to get swept away? Are there holes in the foundation? Are things going to get into it? Is it going to get brittle and crumble? How's the roof? Is it going to protect us from the storms that are coming in? We need to know these things. And that's a little bit of the implication here, that church, we're supposed to build up this house. The foundation is solid. One of the things that I've seen so often, so often, are people who are falling away from their faith because it's not built on the right foundation. And sometimes we even say the right words, but we don't really mean it. Like, is that foundation Jesus? Is it? Like, it really needs to be. Or is it the fruit of Jesus? Like, here's what I'm building it on. I'm building it on the things I get for having Jesus in my life. So what happens then is, is a difficult season occurs, and a storm comes pouring in, and they're going, Jesus, rescue me from this storm. I don't want this storm. Give me all good things. I don't like these bad things that are happening. Give me the good. I just want the good. How can this be good? This doesn't seem fair. God, you said it would be fair, and it's not fair. I don't understand this, and my foundation is crumbling under me, and maybe I misunderstood altogether, and they walked away from their faith because the foundation isn't solid, because their foundation is based on fruit and not on the person of Jesus Christ, the one who is willing to suffer. The one who even said, Father, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. Who is willing to go to the cross for my sin and for yours. Who is willing to take my sin away. And for all who receive him, call on his name. Who is willing to save. 
That's a big deal. Like, is, is that what we're standing on? Or is it something else? Because if it's something else, it's going to crumble. And then the roof, you know, the roof protects us from storms that come in. Will it handle the snow load? Will it handle the amount of rain that we get? Will it handle the wind? Will it handle hail when it comes crashing on us? The roof's pretty important. Scriptures remind us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Righteous run into it, they're saved, they're protected from those storms. Now that doesn't mean that they're not going to feel the storms. That doesn't mean that they're not going to lose because of the storms. But what it means is that they're protected. And whether that is realized on this side of eternity or the next side of eternity, it really doesn't matter because we can stand <clears throat> on Christ who is our firm foundation and the promises we receive in Him. And one of those is all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. We can stand there. We can stand there. And so let's, let's look. There are a few words that we translate to mean encourage. Here is an example of one of those words. This word specifically means uh, call to one's aid. Call to one's aid. So Paul is unveiling this picture of someone building this house, and they need help. And so, help! And someone encourages, they come with courage, they show up to give aid to build this house. That's the word picture that's happening here in the Greek. Let's keep looking, uh, skipping to verse, actually, uh, I'm just going to highlight verse 12 and 13 because of time. Basically, it says this, that we need to respect authority in our lives. Uh, and as we respect uh, uh, authority, that's a part of God's plan. Uh, authority in our lives is translated into God's authority in our life. So if I'm not willing to submit to those authorities in my life and pray for them and love them even when I don't necessarily agree with them, then how, if, I, if, if I'm not willing to do that with someone I see, how will I ever do that with God who is unseen? The truth is we don't. So being under authority is an important piece to this, and verse uh, 12 and 13 speak to that. Going over to verse 14 now. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Cool word, admonish, it means to put in mind. Or another way of saying it would be warn. We could translate it warn. So admonish, to put something in mind. We're placing something in someone's mind. In English, the ideal of the idea of idle is like to be lazy, kind of. We're, you know, our engine's running, but we're not going anywhere, and, and and that's how we think of idle. But the word that's used there would be insubordinate. So we're we're purposely not obeying is the idea. So that, again, warn someone who's not obeying. Like I've seen this happen in the past. I've seen what happens to people in the past who do this. It's not going to turn out well. Like, you do not want to remain idle. You do not want to be insubordinate to God and His Word. That is not going to work out well for you. And, and we're called to do that in the church. Why? Because we're building up a house. And building up this house, if we want it to be strong, on a firm foundation with the, the, the roof of protection over us, the protection of God then here's some things we have to do. And one of those is admonish the idol. 
And the next one is this, encourage the faint-hearted. And this is a different word than the one that's used earlier. So earlier, the idea is to, uh, to come to someone's aid. This idea is more verbal. It means to soothe or console. It's like applying balm onto a wound so that it may heal, so that it doesn't get infected. It's the word picture that's given this. So the faint-hearted, and I wish, I wish that they just used the literal translation on this, the faint-hearted, that's good, we get the idea, but small-souled would be a literal translation. It's like, oh, there was a time where I felt like I could conquer the world, but right now, my soul is small. It's withered. It's not strong. It's faint-hearted. And here the idea is, let me apply some healing balm to your soul. Let's let it grow. Let's let it heal. That's the idea. And then help the weak, or give strength, give support. Again, thinking of building up. And finally, be patient with them all. I like that, be patient with them all. The, the funny thing about patience, if you took a biblical dictionary, so a dictionary of the Bible, and you looked up this word, patient, what you would find is that it's actually the opposite of idle, of faint-hearted, and of weak. That's what patience is. It's the opposite of those things. Here's the idea. You can't give something to someone if you don't have it. You can't give it to you. Like, if we went out to eat and I said, hey, you want some of my lunch? Oh, man, dude, I'm so hungry. I'd love some of your lunch. Oh, just joking. I don't have any. Uh, like, you can't have it because I don't have it. can't give it to you because I don't have it. Same thing with this patience. Are we, are we being built up in Christ? Are, are we built up with, you know, this idleness? Am I submitting to the Lord? Am I being built up uh, with this faint-heartedness? Is my soul big or is it small? Am I in a place of weakness? Or am I being, being fed in his word and encouraged by the saints and challenged to live out this life? That's a challenge. And it's not easy. But we're in it together. And we have a building to build. We're going to do it together. And I'm trusting that we're standing on Christ himself. And that we're trusting Christ because there are going to be storms. It's going to happen. And we maybe are going through some even right now with COVID. Health. Discouragement. And so here's what I have for you. Uh, in your chairs, you'll notice a little note card. That note card says something like encourage one another. And who should you encourage? Someone just popped into your head. Encourage that person. Who, who are you going to encourage? It doesn't have to be a big deal. Like, you don't have to go on and on about something. Just maybe, hey, I was thinking of you and praying for you. Go get them. Like, it might be that easy. And that's okay. Do that. Write that. It may be something more that you want to say. Do that. And I'd encourage you to just start even right now. Fill it out. That gives you no excuses for leaving here and putting it in your pocket or in your Bible or in your purse or leaving it on the chair and walking out and going, ah, I should have done that. Start now. Do it now. It's a good way to extend courage, to give people an opportunity to, to hear. I don't know about you, but I always, I get bills or junk mail in my mailbox. That's what I get. 
So every time I go to the mailbox, it's like, okay. And I open it up, and I'm frustrated because, you know, it's a bill or judgment. How encouraging is it when you go there, and here's a note from one of your buddies going, man, I just wanted you to know I was thinking of you today, and I love you. You go get him. God's with you. Just something like that. Like, doesn't that change the picture completely? God might use you to do that. That would, that, that would be uh, worth it. It would be a big deal. I like these faith experiments. You might think of them as faith exercises to strengthen your faith. That's fine. Either way, it works. So here's the first one. Write a note of encouragement to one to five people this week. Just a note of encouragement, just something simple, small. Send it in the mail, let them know their love. By the way, if you happen to get a note of encouragement, I, let me coach you a little bit. You may be tempted to go, oh, this person thinks I'm weak or I'm small-souled or, I don't know, whatever we might think. Don't think that. Assume the best. Assume that this is a message for you from God that he wants to encourage your soul and lift you up and strengthen you, okay? Would you be willing to do that? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would you be willing to do that? Yes. There we go. All right. Good. Thank you. So that's one option. Here's the next one. Discover a way to extend courage to someone who is struggling. So uh, consider... You might have somebody in your mind who you know is struggling, who's a little discouraged. Maybe they just, oh, I'm just struggling with wearing a mask all the time. I'm struggling with, I lost my job. I'm struggling with whatever it is. What is a way that you can give them courage in their place? It may be to call them on the phone. It may be to text them. It may be to email them. Who is that person? I challenge you to consider doing that and to do it. Number three. Take someone out to eat this week and speak life into them. Now, this can be maybe the most intimidating one for several reasons. But one of those reasons, you may feel like, I don't have the words. I, I can't. Like, I don't know what to say to them in the midst of their hurt and, and where they're at. So let me encourage you to just ask some questions. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your world? Those type of questions allow them to speak. And sometimes being heard will give people a lot of courage. It's an opportunity for us. The Spirit of God may be stirring something else in your heart. If that's the case, do that. But I want to encourage you to engage this week. The worship team is going to come out as we uh, close our time together. And I just ask you to pause and pray with me as, as they come. Jesus, we love you and we do praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are indeed good all the time, and all the time you're good. And Lord, I pray right now for your courage. Because if we have your courage, Lord, then we can give it away. And there are some people around us who need it desperately, who want it, and maybe don't even realize that they do want it. So Lord, I, I pray that your courage would be passed along, that it would become contagious in this community and with our families, and there would be continued transformation for your good glory. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.